I was just at uh, breakfast and I was sitting outside and I saw a man step off the curb who is probably like uh, 50 years old, 320 pounds. Yep. And like traversing the six inch curb was like hard for him. Yeah. He didn't step off. He kind of like fell off. You know Sent what I mean? It. Yeah. Like kind of just like, it looked like a, how overweight do you have to be before that shit starts happening? Before like just navigating. You know, I, I, I don't think the scary thing is it might not even be obesity. It might be post chain strength and your ability to like you, you know, I think there's 120 pound people who would have had to send that curve the exact same way because they have never activated a single muscle in the back of their mm -hmm. bodies. And they have all probably shut down and been shut down for years. There's no blood going to them. And, um, obesity is just going to make navigating it even tougher. And, um, for me, you know, I came from a different place being, I was a football player. I, um, I, I felt like I was always obese and felt athletic. And I think that's a rare place for an obese person to be. Even at 450? Even at 450. I have, I have, uh, I skied those years. I hiked those years. I walked up 14ers, 14,000 foot mountains at 450 pounds. It was a, it was horrible. And it cost me, you know, two, three, four days afterwards, like we were talking earlier. I told him, I, I, I could go run a marathon right now out of sheer insanity, but my body would pay the price for 10 days. And I'm not saying that cocky. Like, I, I would go find a way to run the 26 miles, and, but my body would be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Wow. How much do you weigh right now? I am 282 pounds. Okay, so if I gave you a 135-pound barbell and had you rack it in the front, you're telling me you could walk five miles with it? Um, I mean, you used to do it every day. Yeah, if I, I, that's it, how you lived your life. Yeah, it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, you know those forty-four pound bags of Prina dog food? Yeah. It's like carrying three of those around with you <clears throat> everywhere you go, everywhere you, and mostly in the front of your stomach. You know that that's where the majority of that weight is is um, all right here. It's where the body wants to store it. It's the hardest place to get it off. It's the last place I lost weight. You know, was in in my stomach and. Mm. It's still, I'm still fighting the hell out of it, you know? It's definitely. I'm tripping because if you're, if you're a recovering alcoholic or you're um, recovering opioid addiction or heroin addiction, like, you just stop doing that shit. Yeah. But if you're a food addict. <clears throat> yep. I see my drug every single day. Then you have to, you have to dance with your drug. Yep. Every day. Every single day. And it's like, um. You know, I, I have family members who are recovering alcoholics and they don't, they don't even take like Tylenol. They yeah. don't, they just like, they're 20 years sober. They don't fuck with nothing. Yep. They just, you know, they go to the dentist and do that shit raw dog. Yep. And so this morning I'm eating and I'm thinking, how, how does, how does, how do you do it? Man. How do you dance with your drug? I hate it. Honestly, it's something that like, I, for the longest time I love to like, with my success, be like, I, I got this, you know? And when people ask me about my story. I got this. I, well, how did nutrition, man, I'm, I'm so healthy and I'm not the guy that's going to post a picture of this cheat meal on his Instagram, you know, I, and, but I'm also not going to post a picture of my healthy meal. I'm just, I, I wanted everyone to have this perception that I had it. And, and literally within the year, I'm, I'm 37 years old and have been on this, you know, journey of fitness, at least for seven now. And this year was the first time I ever realized I don't have it. And I'm never going to have it. And I was in Ohio working and I had to get back to Denver. And um, a friend of mine wanted me to stop in Chicago and hang for the weekend. And Chicago is like drug central for a food addict. You know what I yeah. mean? Pizza, steaks, everything. And they were all things that I, 
I couldn't go to Chicago and not have them. I wasn't mentally there. It's like yet. becoming a monk. You just realize one day you're never going to have it again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not talking about food, Bishop. Oh, okay. Help here, help him out. They lost me there for a second. <laughs> um, but I was flying. I was getting ready to go to Chicago, and I and I was realized I couldn't because it was going to be like a like a bender of food. And I was already had been gone for a while, wasn't feeling healthy, and had my meal prep in Denver, my safe place at home. And so I called my friend and almost lied to her and told her that um, something came up in work, and literally was like, "Why are you going to lie to this person? This is this is stupid." And for the first time in my life, I was like, "Hey, I don't have it." I'm I'm about to go there and eat bad, and I'm going to hate myself, and I'm going to feel terrible, and um, it's going to be like a total mental setback for me, and so, and I just need to go home and eat healthy. And I flew home, and and I felt so good saying it to her, and I've really approached that with people from now on, like, hey, don't don't try and be something that you're not, because that's not going to help people. People, we all struggle. We everyone, man, I've met all these games athletes and become friends with these really cool people, and found out. They're as self-conscious about their body as I am. They have they struggle with food the same way I do. I mean, we all do. There's no one in any end of the spectrum, sickness, wellness, fitness. We all want to eat. We all want to have good food. We all we all celebrate with food. And it's something that, you know, for me as an as an addicted to food person, I just have to be extra conscious of it and know that like my brain's gonna tell me something different than my body wants. And I have to tell my brain to just shut up and, and listen to what my body wants. And it's a daily battle. Before we get to how you stumbled stumbled onto CrossFit, yeah. the cure for the world's most vexing problem, yeah, chronic disease, how does someone become 450 pounds? Like, how, like, um, well, uh, yeah. Are we allowed to talk about the assault bike yesterday? We're allowed to talk about anything okay. you want. Um, the same guy that wanted to... We want to talk about Brooke Wells, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the same guy that wanted to blow your mind yesterday, the same personality type, the same drive and hunger and, and fierceness that I have in a gym riding on an assault bike was the same passion that I had for wanting to be the best at eating. And it sounds really stupid, but I... I graduated from college. I moved to uh, Denver. I got into the marijuana business. I started making good money. I met the woman of my dreams. And my way of celebrating that was with food because it's my drug. Mm. Um, I don't drink alcohol. I don't take drugs. I don't. Um, well, so after you got uh, out of college, that was the first time you became obese? Like your whole prior life up to then, you had never been like the general, like, I mean, there was a picture of you that doesn't even look like you. No, I was obese the whole time. Um, I was always obese and like as a 15 year old boy. Yeah. But I thought I didn't know I was, I I, I was especially playing football. You're a football player. Yeah. 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 So there's like this excuse for like, you know, Oh, he's an O lineman. You know, he's just a big guy. And and I was almost part of a sport to be a big guy, you know? Yeah. Like I wouldn't have hated to been 280. I'll tell you that. Like I got my ass torn up out there right right now at this size. Like, and I'm strong and athletic, but just the sheer ability to, to stop, you know, weight from mass moves mass. And that was what we were doing was just moving each other around out there. What was the biggest you ever were playing football? 360. And what school was that at? At Baylor in Texas. And um, were you effective at 360? I was. Um, I They definitely were mad at me, but I mean, I was squatting over 800, benching over Dang. 480. I think I was benching close to 500. I, I was a, I, you know, my position was not to, it was basically just to be a road grader and, and move, you know, I don't know, back in that time and day, it's just 2002-ish, we're talking, you know, 
a different style of football now. There's, it's a much totally. faster game. They're much quicker linemen now. They're smaller. They're more athletic. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was just fat boys and you know old school football. We Grand, didn't grab a pound. Yeah, we didn't like have like the refrigerator. Yeah, our our food, um, the food they gave us. I, I'll have to go through. It's a pretty cool. It's a little bit longer, so we'll do it some other time. But I'll go through a a travel weekend on a football. Oh, you, I'd love to hear that. The food they <laughs> so I'll go as fast as I can. We meet at, uh, we have lunch on Friday before we leave to get on the bus and Saturday we meet at the cafeteria. So this is Friday at like 11 a.m. You get out of class for the rest of the day and you go and you eat lunch and it's like fried chicken strips and french fries and Naturally, whatever. Yeah. Then you get on the bus to the to the plane. When you get on the plane, there's a, a, a Jason's Deli box sandwich with a turkey sandwich, chips, candy bar, and, and a drink. So then you drink that, and it's like these. What's the drink? Quick kicks, like sugar, sugar Gatorades. <laughs> so then you fly to where you're going, and did you, you get, used to drink Gatorade? Oh, drank the shit out of it. Crazy. I, 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 I one of the biggest things I, I tell people in weight loss: the quickest way to lose weight, stop drinking calories. You have to yeah, eat them. Yeah. You do not have to drink calories. You can only drink water and survive life very well and tea. Yeah. And there's no calories. So you can't be 450 pounds unless you drink calories. Is I that think, a true statement? I think that it would be really hard to be 450 pounds and not and only drink water. Okay. I yeah. think I think that's like and if you want to just like a there's a coach glass moment for you. Only drink water. You know like something <laughs> just so simple and right. easy but yet the most effective thing in the whole world. Right. Um So you get off, so you get on the plane, sorry. And, yeah. you get, and you got your box of shit food. So yeah, so then you fly to the to the to wherever you're going to play. You get on a bus. You go straight to their stadium and have a practice, walk through of the, uh, um, on their field, and you get back on the bus, and there's a box of fried chicken. I'm not <laughs> shitting you. Um, and you eat your fried chicken on the way to the hotel. I haven't heard any vegetables. None. Yeah, none. No, I think you had potato chips on the plane. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> so then you get to the hotel where you're chilling the rest of the night, and you have your pregame pasta meal. Natural. Where they, uh, yeah. where there is a uh, salad and ranch and then pasta, but everyone, I swear to you, we took our plates and you covered it in ranch, yeah. oh, then you man. covered it in noodles, then you covered it in sauce, and then you put cheese on top of it, and that was the pregame meal. Wow. And then that got you to late night snack, which was <laughs> another box sandwich and chips, and I'm not kidding you. Wow. Um, and then. And this was provided or provided by oh the school. Gosh. And what's so funny okay. is half the players were smart enough not to eat, so they're like, "Oh, you can have oh two box sandwiches, <laughs> two boxes of fried chicken," because all the people smart people, there's no way they would eat that stuff, and uh, you know that much food. So then pregame breakfast, that's when it's real good. You know, they we call them fat sandwiches. The Olima would take a pancake and lay a pancake down and. And then bacon and eggs oh, and cheese man. and another pancake and cover it in syrup. And that was your fat sandwich. Wow. And so by the time you got to the game, you were so bloated and yeah. freaking like just like a marshmallow Huge. walking around. <laughs> and that like, I mean, it was no surprise that we were getting our asses kicked every week. Did you ever vomit in your helmet? Um, I never did, no. But did do people vomit in their helmets? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Because that's a lot of food, and then to have some dude like you hit me full speed, I would think something's oh got to come God. up. And what's crazy did you is... you ever shit your pants on the no, field? No, I didn't. No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but what's so funny is you would like... You, you would like actually after the game you'd like poop and feel normal like oh man now I've yeah. like you know worked all this <laughs> shit out of myself like literally and figuratively. Oh, Sorry man. for that visual. Yes, sir. But I mean, yeah, I guess you get yeah. used to it if that's what you're doing every game. Yeah, you're just trying to keep. If you're trying to keep yeah. weight. It's like and you're young. Yeah, it's like and food just tolerance. Stupid. 
Yeah. It just goes up. Just, and your stomach figures out a way to do it and you figure out your body. It's, it's so funny the, how the human body figures out a way to compensate. Right. I, with through all that. adversity, I was still strong. I was still Until you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And, yeah. No kidding. Uh, we have Matt Bickle here um, visiting CrossFit HQ. Um, if he doesn't have your attention yet, then just turn the shit off. Uh, we have Karen Hipskin. Uh, she is uh, second in command here at CrossFit HQ for publishing to all our platforms. We have Matt Bischel, head of social media, and Eric Maciel, engineer extraordinaire, 475-pound deadlift at 132-pound body weight. <laughs> Pretty badass. Uh, we found out yesterday at dinner when we went to dinner with you, Eric used to weigh 220. Now he's 160-something. Did you? Yeah. Crazy. I need a picture. <laughs> He's got a puffy face. It's just pretty, imagine him. Just go like this, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you weigh now? Can I ask that question? Wow. <laughs> when you see people who weigh as much as you used to weigh, well, when you used to, let me go back a second. When you used to look in the mirror and you weighed 450 pounds, did you, were you like, holy shit, I'm fat? Yeah. Or did you look normal to yourself? Well, you're in denial. You're like, it's not that bad. You got this. But deep down in your heart, you you know you're fat, but you can't admit that. It'll just crush you. I mean, at 450, it's a scene every time you leave the house, right? I mean, like you walk into fucking like, if you walk down the street here and you ate 450, I'd stare at you. Yeah. It, it's, I um, could not stare at you. I'd, I'd want to see how you move. I'd be fascinated by you. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it was definitely something like. I'm fascinated I, by you at 268. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not there yet, but I will be. It's fascinating watching you on the assault bike. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 I remember, I used to go to a lot of concerts at Red Rocks and uh, it's a pretty tight venue. A lot of people, 10,000 people mm-hmm. packed in. And I'll never forget the looks on people's faces when I'd come down the aisle to try and walk. I'm just like, I'm just walking past you. And they'd just be like, oh, shit. Like a car was coming or something. And I I was always like, what the hell's wrong with these people? I just, it's so funny how the human brain and the ego can help you deny, 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 deny. And I promise anyone that's obese that's listening to this right now is sitting there going, shit. You know, like this, because you, you, you never want to admit it, but you always know it's there. And, and I think it's, you know, it's something that, um, and I will also say this, be careful when you actually do make that choice and do lose the weight because you still feel that way. You know, I still, I fight it every single day. I can eat a cookie and feel like I'm 450 pounds again. Yeah. I'm like what the hell? It gets back to what you're talking about. It's a drug addiction that you have to dance around constantly. It yeah. nev- you can never completely put it away. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so what are, what are some of the obstacles? Well, one, how do you get to 450? Um, we had, um, I made a killing the fat man with Gary Roberts and some of the stuff he told me he did was kind of crazy. Like if you're going to someone's house before you eat for dinner, before you get there, you stop at the fast food joint and eat two Big Macs. Cause you're afraid they're not going to have enough food for you there. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me some of the, the behaviors, like what do you have to do to be 450? Do you get up in the middle of the night to eat? I mean, what is it a maintenance thing? Is I it- didn't, I was eating about four meals a day. Um, I was, uh, first zero exercise, you know, you can't burn a single calorie. That's, that's against the law okay. for getting up to 450. I hope you guys yeah. are taking notes on this in case. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. sounds like you got to make constant effort. <laughs> um, I, I was very competitive and passionate about everything I did. Like I said, so I, if you called me in this morning and said, Matt, what'd you, what'd you have? What'd you do yesterday? Well, we went to the Brown palace for brunch and we had, you know, this decadent meal. And then we went to Morton's for dinner last night. I wanted to impress you with, with the way I was living my life and thinking that it was like, (coughs) like a, like a 
elegant way to live or something that I was like living this classy life of fine dining and, and travel. And, um, it was so stupid, but I, I, that turned into, you know, that turned into much too common of a thing. Here's a good one. I have a friend who had played O-line with me in college and he got gastric bypass surgery. He's 200 pounds right now. He was four, like he was like 396 or something was the heaviest he ever saw himself. Um, he, so a little guy compared to you. Yeah, yeah. He was a skinny son of a um, but uh, <laughs> three ninety six. And he's two hundred pounds now and in and like, you know, he he works a an office job and didn't have the opportunities that I had to to just like passionately pursue fitness. But here's where it's really funny. He said he had to see a psychologist before he was able to get the surgery. Hmm. And the psychologist said, Okay, um, there's 21 meals possible a week if you eat three meals a day. How many, we call them go hard meals, a cheat meal. How many cheat meals <laughs> do you have? Meal. How many meals did you go hard? And when he told me that, I knew my answer immediately. It was like 27 meals a week. <laughs> like I was, it was more than three meals a day. We're talking, you know, stopping for fast food at one point during the day just because you're running around. And since you're out and moving, you're burning, you know, you're, you're making yourself so hungry. But it's also a drug thing. So you see it, you want it. You see Did it you have fast food every day? Is that part of the No, I had processed food every day. Okay. Um, I had... Um, <clears throat> Do you have a Coke every day? Absolutely, multiple sodas a day. Um, I, I like if you ever see me at dinner last night. If you saw me, I probably drank fifteen glasses of water. Right, those would have been sodas. It. I mean, no problem. Yeah. It would have been drank the drink exact the same. I, I, um, I just pound anything I drink. So that's why I drink water. You know, I mean, I, I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. Is that why you don't drink alcohol? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't like the way alcohol makes me feel. And alcohol is an inflammatory, and alcohol is a depressant. And I'm like my my like love for life is on 11 with just like waking up naturally and with marijuana in my life. So I think marijuana absolutely replaced, um, replaced all drugs for me. So you're not fighting off drinking. You're not, you didn't no. go to AA or no. 12 step or it's no. just not your thing. I'm the funnest drunk in the whole world. Like seriously, I'm just like, <laughs> ah, what's up? like have a blast. Um, I, I do get ill a lot. My stomach never agree with my stomach. So when I used to drink in college, I would almost get sick every time I got drunk and I was so big, it took so much to get me drunk. And, it was a it was a dead end road for me. Um, did you ever consider gastric bypass? I did. So my friend was um, got it and told me that the twenty one go hard meals a day and the psychologist and I was like, wow, that's that's really cool. And and he had the surgery and he didn't lose weight for three years. And I yeah. I was like, and, and then when he finally lost weight, he's like, yeah, the surgery was a few years ago. I finally just lost weight. And I was like, really? I was like, well, I want to get it, you know, like how, cause you look so great. Uh, what did you do? And he's like, well, man, to be honest with you, it didn't work for three years cause I didn't eat healthy and exercise. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and, and the way my brain works, I'm a very like switch on, switch off guy. Yeah. And like the f switch flipped that very second. I was like, oh, well then. I'll save the 10 grand and the surgery and all the bullshit and I'll just eat healthy and exercise and that should right. work just fine. And like literally was a, like a mental shift in a, one of my two aha moments where I was like done. Eat health. And, and I'm the type of person that when I figure it out, like I'm, it's not going to be like, it won't drift out of my head later on, you know? So I started. What year was that? That was 2011. What are your personal feelings about gastric bypass surgery? Have you looked into it? No, um, I, after that, after that moment, I was like, um, super, super stoked. I didn't do it. Um, my personal feelings are if you are in the situation in your life where you have a job that gives you insurance and you have a family and a, and, a, and responsibilities and maybe four hours a day aren't available in your life to actually go attack this thing the way it needs to be attacked to actually win back your life from obesity, then I think it's a good option. Um, if, if you, 
and I don't want people to do it. I'd rather them exercise. But if you're just like stuck, you know so much about weight loss and I do not know a lot about gastric bypass surgery, but the little bit of research I've done is it's fucking horrific. Oh, horrific. So I, I, I um, I want you to learn everything about it and come back and teach me. Yeah. About how fucked it is. Well, and, and here, just so <laughs> you know. I've heard some, I heard you're trapped for life then to pills mm-hmm. because you, your body can't absorb the nutrients it needs. And I've just heard that it's like an 80% failure rate. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm no doctor. Yeah. But I mean, um, it sounds like an insurance scam to me. I, I would, like here's what tragic, I'll tell you. tragic, is, fucked up situation. I, I would, I agree with you. And, and I, I completely, completely agree with you. And I think it's the worst last case scenario option ever. But I'll also tell you this. Like, there's people who are going to die or get gastric bypass surgery. Let's go ahead and keep them alive. Right. And now, that's not okay. quality of life. But some people, you don't deserve to die just because you did something so wrong with your decisions that now you're stuck in this situation you can't get out of. And I will tell you, like, my only fear for people that want to go fight this disease is that you got to be a fighter. And I don't know how many fighters we have left in our society in this day and age. I'm sorry, people that are listening, but just the truth is like, you got to have a fire inside of your heart that, that makes you want to get better and better and better every day, not get complacent. And you got also got to get lucky. You got to have a really good community. You definitely need to want it. Gary was saying, Gary was saying it's super, super simple to lose the weight and the formula and super duper hard to execute on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But he said the formula is so simple. Yeah. It's, it's consistent. And, and like you're, yeah. And you're giving people that stuff too. When you said no soda, but when, like when, it's some simple things. But like when that. I think about it compared to gastric bypass and what you have to go through for that, it seems like a no, like a no brainer. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through that, not being able to absorb things because you know, my body's been so fucked. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. How it's a, if there's nothing else left on the table, yeah. Head in that direction. But, I've just seen it. I've seen it save a friend of mine's life, and he's um, he manages it really well. I, he's one of the success stories. I'm sure had that he been a failure story, that I'd probably maybe say a completely different story. I just think about this friend of mine, and I'm like, man, there's there's definitely a quality of life that he has back that he's reached and maintained that that I don't know. Maybe you know he could have done it the way I did it. He just um, he had insurance and responsibilities. But it's also education too, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. You have the educate. You have the education. I'm not talking about formal education. I'm just saying yeah. not the knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, you were brave to just go for it. I know a lot of bigger people are intimidated to go to the gym. Yeah. And they think that they need that surgery or they need to lose a bunch of weight before they can even start that process. Yeah. And so it takes a little bit of bravery and just being okay with it and just giving it a shot. Yeah. And for someone that's so big, I can see how wanting to lose that weight first and doing the surgery and then going to do it seems like a good idea, but it's just, that's what we hear like all the time, right? Oh, I'm going to lose this hundred pounds and then go and to then the CrossFit go. gym. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. Well, everyone says, everyone tells me all the time, I need to get in shape. I need to go to the gym oh, and get in God. shape. Then I'll come to the gym with you. <laughs> the little bit I spoke to you before you came on the show, you, you said some shit that was fucking just really smart to me. And I was like really blown away, but, but, I, but I want to challenge that here. Um, Two of the things you said to me is that it's sort of, and I'm paraphrasing, correct me anywhere you want, it's now your life mission to be a cheerleader and a supporter to all people who want to embark on the journey that you're on of losing weight and being healthy and that you can can really relate and empathize with that weight loss and that desire desire to be, find yourself again, to liberate yourself from the, the excess weight. Yes. You gave me some awesome feedback about like, um, 
hey, when you're first starting to work with someone who weighs three, 400 pounds, you shouldn't be like, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. Start telling them what to eat. Don't tell them they have to cut their Coke from eight to four. Tell them that they have to eat this three pounds of broccoli a day. That's the only challenge. And I'm yep. like, wow, that's some good shit. Hmm. The contradictory part of that, the part that I see that, that, that I'm, and all that makes me think you'd be amazing at it because you've, you've walked the walk and you've done it. The part that I'm questioning is, is like, you're not a normal guy. You're not like, can you really relate to your average person who's overweight? Like, aren't you like, I mean, do you really understand their mindset? You're, you've been an overachiever in everything you've done your entire life. You're still an overachiever. You were great at being fat. You're now great at being fit. You were great at cultivating marijuana. You're great at public speaking. Are you going to be able to... Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guy, like how are you, what can you say? I mean, like, I'm just looking at you being like, well, fuck, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to do that. I'm not Matt Bickle. Well, you literally with, uh, you, like, thank you for the compliment first and foremost, but I, I definitely know that my <coughs> biggest challenge is, is to relate it down to someone who doesn't have a fire inside their heart. And, and all that I can tell you is that like, I think, I think my story is a good starting point versus a versus rich fronting story who everyone that's the guy that got me to want to start doing this yeah and um like you know i think that anyone that looks at him that was in my shoes that fear that i felt looking at him that made me want to start crossfit is the same fear that's going to keep everyone else from doing it um i think that i have from my experience and what i've learned i have a different approach to crossfit for people in that situation that I'd like to help, you know, alongside with you guys figure out a way to bridge the gap between between severely obese and horrified of going to the gym and walking into the CrossFit gym. And I know that is my biggest challenge, but I think the way you do that is 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 by you got to ease people in. I think right now our biggest failure in CrossFit is is um, when you are 375 pounds and you walk into the gym, a lot of people like there's there's always a few coaches that are you know gonna maybe want to reach out and help but there's a totally different approach that you should have for someone of that nature and i think that you know being able to educate the coaches the people on just like making mini victories the the nutrition things that we've talked about um you know almost like approaching them completely different giving them the gym without you know maybe there's a class for like severely obese people that we could start doing and it's just once a week and it's and, and there isn't like you know the 1600 abs in the gym at the same time and all these people see is like you know and i think that's a great thing to have because it definitely motivated me at one point but like we have to get a better bridge between where we're where where the starting point is and where those people are stuck at right now i hear you and and it's interesting because we have this debate in publishing constantly right we have the cure to the world's most vexing problem. We have the cure to type 2 diabetes. We have the cure to chronic disease. We have the cure to stroke, to heart disease, to cancer. It's right here. Yeah. Follow this nutrition plan. Do these movements, blah, blah, blah. And we have 14,000 affiliates, 14,500 affiliates around the world that you can go into and start your, your program. Yeah. We have an L1 training seminar. You can take that and get in two days all the information you need to run your body at its optimal performance yep i just did it yeah everyone in the world should do it yeah everyone who has kids in the world who doesn't do it's crazy totally you need to learn that shit and tell your kids you're talking about bridging the gap you're talking about showing some normal people doing crossfit and and i think what you're saying is you're saying like we don't want to scare them with the games athletes yes but even fat people even obese people even unhealthy people like how you were saw rich froning 
and you were, and he's what motivated you. Yeah. And Gary Roberts out here, our own, you know, miracle story that we got in publishing. You know, he he saw Rich Froning, and he wants to be like him. Yeah. So are we like, are we misunderstanding that? Should we just keep putting all these beautiful people up there? I think it's a blend. Okay. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the answer because I, I, I don't know. I know that when I see Rich, I'm like, fuck, I want to do CrossFit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Um, and when I see old people do it, since I'm starting to get old, I, I'm like, okay, I want to do CrossFit. Yeah. Because I want to like, be able to do that too. I, I agree. I think it's a blend. Yeah. I think we have to somehow show that, hey, these are the top athletes. This is what you could be. This is amazing. Like These bodies are beautiful. Right. Yeah. And you can do that with hard work. I think but at the same time, you need we need to be gentle and catering to all different types. Through through, show, through imagery? Through storytelling? Through imagery, storytelling I think is huge. Um, and just having someone that somebody else can relate to. And the more stories we can have, the more different types of people that we can have showing their success, the better I think it'll just, you know, talking to my mom or my sister – and being like, why aren't they doing it yet? Oh, your sister doesn't do CrossFit? She does when I'm there. Oh, and your brother's a hardcore. I see him in the my, gym all the my time. My brother is doing CrossFit, yeah. He was skinny, and now he's all buff. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's good. Was he's that his girlfriend lot. in there yesterday? No, that's our friend. Oh, man. I, I yeah. called should, him out on it, too. He should fix that. <laughs> <laughs> he actually just saw Rich Ryan for the first time a month ago, and he got into it. Uh, <laughs> I want to get back to this. Yeah. I want to get back to this. Uh, yesterday, the workout was Gwen. It's um, 15 uh, clean and jerks. Yeah. And um, I usually try to do whatever weight Kara does. And she did uh, 128. When did you do that? That was um, last year, the last time I came up. Yeah. So I put 125 on the bar. I only got 11. You have to do 15 unbroken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down to 105. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, one thing. I'm just, say, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. My, there's my, you're that sitting next to my rabbit. Yeah, yeah, you're sitting next to my rabbit. Um, one thing that popped into my head while we were talking about this that is huge that we got to touch on is fitness outside the gym and what what crossfit you know everyone thinks crossfit as fran and they're like screw that i don't want to do butterfly pull-ups and and that's all i think crossfit is and and you know i was even misconceived for a long time i i i went into crossfit and i did the one hour class and then i left and i thought that was crossfit and then i met some people that were there for two or three hours of the day and i was like oh this is crossfit and then as I got so head over heels into it, even post going to the games this year, it, it really dawned on me like uh, hiking in the mountains, like with a 20 pound vest on all of a sudden was really easy. And I started running up that mountain. And, and then I like went out and started surfing and like, you know, 280 pounds, got on a surfboard and got up, caught a wave and got up on the board the first time I tried. And, nice. and like all these, like I, we did this hike in Hawaii called um, Weeping Wall. It's up, um, yeah, Waiali Ali Crater. It's the Dang. wettest place on earth and one of the deadliest hikes in the world. And I probably could have died. You mean people falling off the edge? Yeah, mm. I could have died a hundred times that day and relied on every bit of my fitness to stay alive and also to walk myself to the most beautiful place I'd ever seen in my life. And um, all of a sudden, fitness bought me freedom. And then mm. that's when the word fitness is freedom. Is like, holy cow. And I talk about it to like a, you can talk to a games athlete about it and they'll tell you the exact same thing. Like, those guys are so fit, but it's not, you know, their their biggest like accomplishment maybe not going to the games. It may be when someone asks them if they want to climb Mount Everest, they can say yes and just put on a coat and go. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like we are most people are at some point in the spectrum limited to 
well, I could go hike a, you know, I could go hike that mountain, but I couldn't hike Mount Everest. Physical capability. Yeah. And, and like yeah. literally when you reach the full like peak of fitness, which is maybe <laughs> not going to the games, but it's just like being in control of your body, in control of your weight, in control of your muscle, all of a sudden you really, um, you unlock this whole world to yourself. Look how bulbous her butt is. Who is, who is that uh, jen dancer sam's wife yeah man that's from hiking to the top it was probably half that size when she started yeah <laughs> yeah um and, and sam's a great example man sam uh sam is who has taught me so much of that like, he has a bulbous butt too yeah incredibly and, and the most he's got bulbous. he's got some big old manly quads on him too He's uh Sam. I'll, I'm gonna call Sam out and bust him. Sam wears women's pants so that he can show off his quads. Pants, women's pants, women's skinny yeah. jeans. We all know that. We all know this. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in case you didn't know, he wears women's <laughs> underwear too. I follow him on Instagram. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sam ran the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run at the one of the sketchiest runs I've ever done in my life in a speedo. Um, he wow. is, he did the 24 hour tough mutter the yeah, other day in a that speedo and no chafing. He'll no tell chafing? you, he'll tell you that his is biggest accomplishment gag? is no chasing. He is, on does he move? Like, does he put the, no, he just goes for it. Wow. Like his, right. his quads call, take care of it. I want to go back to the, um, so you were talking about what you thought CrossFit was versus what it was. I think there's some great meat on the bone there. Um, cause you thought, is it the kipping pull up? And like, so you're 280. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, Travis Bajant is 280. Um, he's a good CrossFitter. Um, probably not as good as you. He's really into arm wrestling and power sports. He's one of the greatest arm wrestlers who ever lived. But he doesn't do kipping pull-ups either. And it's like, hey, man, I'm 280. I'm not, I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like my mom doesn't do kipping pull-ups either. I don't, I, I don't normally start with kipping pull-ups. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's, not a, it's a total misconception of CrossFit that you're going to go in there and you're going to do kipping pull-ups. Yeah. It's not required. It's just some people do it. Some people don't. It's a way to cycle. It's maybe a way to get your time faster, but not necessarily. Totally. It depends on what your goal is, right? Well, yeah. The other day we did Power max, max exactly. um, strict pull-ups in five minutes. You know, a bunch of us here at HQ. It's like, yeah, yeah we, we, we work it all. Savon yeah. yeah, Savon yeah. beat Kara, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and I think a huge misconception By is like lot. everyone sees a video. You know, I, of course, I'm going to post my power clean and snatch PRs on my Instagram. I'm not going to post my PVC warm-up. Right. But, and, and I think that so many people think they're going to come in and I'm going to put 315 on the bar and go, okay, it's time to start power clean. If you come to the gym with me, we're going to move a PVC pipe. And you're going to move it right along next to me cleaning 315. And we're going to both – do the workout in the same amount of time. We're both going to reach strain. Like, uh, something, um, I work out with Sammy a lot and Sam, if Sam wanted to, Sam writes all our programming when we work out. And if he wanted to, he could write in 25 muscle ups, you know, 50 pistols. And Sam could bury me with his programming if he wanted to, but Sam wants to make sure that everybody can have fun and that everybody can do the movements. And when he writes the workouts, he looks at who's in the room he decides what we're going to do. He makes it really hard and challenging for himself included, but he's going to do something that we can all actually do and feel good about doing sounds together. Like, sounds like good CrossFit coaching. 100%. And that's what, when, when I bring it's someone individualized. to the gym. Yeah, when I bring yeah. someone to the Even gym. Even in the group class. Yeah. It can be, my, I have a buddy that really wanted to get into it, and he came over to my house. He's like, work me out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we're going to do five calories and five on the bike and five 15-pound uh, kettlebell deadlifts for five rounds. And my friend was drenched at the end of it. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he was like, that was such a good workout. I was like, you killed it, man. And he felt this sense of accomplishment. Henshaw is who taught me that. I did the Henshaw aerobic capacity uh, running class. Uh -huh. And he, the, the... Are you the biggest guy who's ever taken that class? Uh, probably so. That before <laughs> and after where I'm stretching my hip, uh, the before and after pick you had up earlier, that's me at the Henshaw running class. 
And you better be careful. You're gonna look like Eric soon. I'm trying, man. <laughs> I'm trying. I would love to. Think of the muscle up potential. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, Henshaw, he he had us all do a drill where um, you do as many air squats as you can in 30 seconds, and and you and then with a timer, and then you try and match it right, three times without a timer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a drill that everyone could win at. You didn't, even if you if you could you know if you could run right, a twenty minute mile or run a, a two it's minute your own mile number. yeah it's right. your number and you match your number and it was something that was so awesome for me to learn it just swept a switch on in my head like oh mm-hmm. all we have to do is make sure that we all feel the same sense of accomplishment when we work, when we leave the gym and that we program it to where we all feel that sense of accomplishment you want to have your ass kicked but you want to come back you know mm-hmm. yeah, that's the henshaw we 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 did a piece on Rick Ross a couple years ago um he, he I think he was concerned about his health yeah i don't know for sure but maybe he had a stroke i'm not sure but his he has health, seizures seizures okay yeah. and he he had fully embraced crossfit and we went and worked out with him at his place in miami great guy fully bought in fully open to learning lost a lot of weight um had the chef had the diet dialed in yep hence the shirt yeah um and when we posted the video of him, some of the comments were like, hey, why, why is CrossFit covering this piece of shit fucking gangster dude who promotes violence and blah, 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 blah. And people like, focus, you know, not a lot of people, but, yeah. but there was a, a handful of them. There's haters. We're a health and fitness company. We do the right things for the right people for the right reasons. Um, it's, we're fully inclusive. Doesn't matter whether you're gay, straight, and transgender, Muslim, Christian, doesn't matter. Like this is, we have the solution we have the operating system for your dna this is yeah. it you can throw everything else away yeah. crossfit.com when people see that you're That's on the cool. show and that you are one of the largest um um brain centers on how to grow marijuana in the in the western hemisphere and they're like, why did you have this guy, Matt Bickle, on? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, marijuana is a drug and blah, blah, it's a gateway this and gateway that. What, what, is, what, is, what is your response? What is your thought? Man, I... Like uh, the contradiction. Here we yeah. have this health. Wait, this guy grows marijuana. And, and not only that, but without him, it would be a totally different scene in the whole country. Yeah. So He's I, an influencer. <laughs> I would challenge them to, um, to, to get to know the facts. And um, whenever I get into those situations, I rely on the facts and they tend to at least force the conversation for people to, to go home and, and really think about it. Um, I, I will tell you that marijuana is an anti-inflammatory, the best known on the planet anti-inflammatory. There, it is an antidepressant. Um, we, can, we can go a lot of routes with the argument. The easiest is if you know, 95% of the world drinks alcohol. And if we wanted to just go toe to toe with alcohol, I, you know, I feel like I have I have something that would totally dominate the conversation and win in a lot of arguments. Um, but the, do two wrongs make a right? Not at all, not at all. But I, I would. I mean, because the alcohol thing is really great. We used to try to use that on my parents all the time. Hey, we've never been in a fight smoking weed. Yeah. We've never done this. We've never stole anything. We're at home. You know, you yeah. can see what we're yeah. doing. But I wouldn't consider <laughs> chilling. The we're other. Playing. I would consider alcohol a wrong, and I wouldn't consider marijuana the second wrong to make a right. I would right. consider uh, a, a complete polar opposite. Um, the healing power of the plant is 
absolutely incredible. I think that what we've unlocked with just without federal approval, without uh, real testing, just doctors that are willing to go out and risk their licenses because they know that the plant actually, they've seen it heal someone. Everyone's got a story now. That's the best mm -hmm. part about it is whether you believe in the plant or not, you know someone who didn't believe in it and used it and their aunt recovered from cancer faster. They, mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I just, I hear it over and over and over and it's why we're legalizing it. It's why 60% of America approves legalization of marijuana right now. It's why um, we're seeing it and, you know, I believe it's in 17 states, some form of THC or CBD is available legally to people and, and it's falling faster. What, are, what are CBDs? I keep hearing about the CBDs. It's cannabidiol. And so there's two active in, there's two main ingredients in marijuana that have a, the a psychoactive effect on you. Well, one has a psychoactive, one has a medicinal. Um, and, and I'm, psychoactive means something it does something to your brain. Yes, your sir. thought patterns. Yes. And okay. this is where I don't want to. Um, there's going to be a like. There's a lot smarter people than me that we can um, get to come explain this, and people that um, now that you guys have tapped into my world, I'd love to really open you guys up to some really educated <coughs> folks who can explain this much better than me. But um, from a consumer and from a, a cultivation expert's standpoint, there's THC and CBD in marijuana. THC is going to be the, um, the the one that I like. Uh, it's the one that makes you laugh. It's the one that makes you lighthearted. It's the one that helps you sleep. It's, it helps you with outlook. Um, it, it's, the, it's the psychoactive chemical. Then there's CBD, cannabidiol. And CBD is going to be um, inflammation, um, you know, it helps with, uh, de even like depression. We've, we haven't, we couldn't even possibly begin to tell you all the things that it's already unlocked and is going to unlock. Um, it's for me personally, the, the whole plant. So CBD, THC, the entire plant spectrum is what I use and consume. And it's replaced, um, Adderall for me. I used to, I mean, I'm, as you can tell, I'm severely ADHD bouncing off the wall. Crazy. You're kid. actually not. You're pretty, you're more focused than me. Maybe I need some CBD or something. Yeah. Well, and I use some, uh, I used, you know, some this morning before I came in here and uh, with inflammation, with sleep. And, and then a, a big piece of it, I was talking to some fr uh, friends of mine last night is out look man in perspective i don't think i don't think it gets enough credit for like you know you had talked about um just separating mind from body and, and going and catching a frisbee because it's the only thing you can focus on right and and i think like for me you know sometimes even just like you know taking myself away from myself and not just being stuck so far inside my head and with alcohol i think it was always something to mask it um to just cover everything up marijuana is not that way it, it, you know it's a very um introspective drug and so it when you when you use it you might find yourself like thinking about some really deep stuff and maybe it's like the color. are you really are you thinking about deep stuff or do you think you're thinking about deep stuff like do you ever like you're, you you were stoned you write something down you're like man there's some profound shit i remember this when i'm not stoned and later on like you kind of can't even get your head right. you're either like this is really stupid yeah <laughs> i'm not smoking weed ever again yeah or shit i can't get my head wrapped around it now like like I, there's I like think, some uncertainty around the, the wisdom well i think that's metabolically how you're made up i think that's you know for someone <clears throat> they might drink a beer and like become the most poetic writer on the planet um i personally like can only rely on my resume and track record that it's worked wonderfully for me um, I, I, it really has. Like I, I, I used to write a lot of poetry and would always, you know, be smoking marijuana and writing. And I've gone back and read a lot of it. Like really happy with the way it turned so out. So marijuana is <laughs> not like CrossFit. CrossFit's for everyone. 
marijuana has its place in, in different people's lives. I would agree with that 100. percent Yeah. It's, it's okay. The same. Yeah. Um, and and it's like that's the argument I have with people is they they everyone has this preconceived notion that you can go into a marijuana store now and buy a product that's going to make you laugh or that's going to make you sleep or that's going to make you you know have the different effects you're looking for and you, you couldn't be more grossly wrong. It's how we're all metabolically made up. It's no different than like some people can take pre-workout and feel amazing and some people feel like they're going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the exact same effect you will get with different types of marijuana. And, you know, I, I think that there's such a, there's such a gap between what we know and what we can know. And as soon as we get this thing federally legalized um, and actually get, you know, universities and doctors and people really studying it much more, uh, you know, acutely than we are right now, I think we'll find out a lot, a ton more, but I can just tell you for right now, trial and error and, um, and finding the right product that the plant can absolutely change your life and re- replace any medication, almost any medication. I don't want to go too big here. Do you, do you think though, that if it was, you know, federally mandated that it was fine in you know, all 50 States, do you think that would open up more doors for, you know, awareness legalization, or do you think that would like make it more bureaucratic and more difficult for people to take? I think both things are hand in hand and are going to happen together. I think that as it becomes more legal um, and uh, as it becomes more mainstream legal, um, larger companies are going to move in and it's already happening mm-hmm. and, and ruin some of the mom and pop aspect of it. And, but mm-hmm. from a scientific level, it's going to absolutely blast off because um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of companies. Well, I mean, it's the FDA. It's, it's federally yeah. illegal still. The biggest. And so until it becomes federally legal, the FDA can't even recognize it as a medicine. And and when that actually happens, I think that we're going to see a, an explosion of possibilities. And so, th- The so you research, think- you think that once it's legal, research is going to be, there's going to be 10,000 papers written about it yeah, the research is going to go through the roof it's it's just absolutely incredible i mean the research that we have it's so limited and so so undervalued and yet there's so many like just crazy success stories and what the plant's done for people and um and we're just getting started and i mean i i, I don't know i think i think we should, even if it wasn't a part of your daily life that everyone should experience the feeling that the plant can do for you I, I don't disagree and the way people think about it too will be completely different like you're saying it's like a healing thing and it can be different things for different people it's like when there's restrictions on it people have this idea that it's this really cool thing that you're rebelling and you're doing it yeah. when you're in high school or something you're like oh man i'm so cool because i smoke weed yeah, but it's not like that. It's no, yeah, it's I, I almost think I'm like not cool because I smoke weed, you know. Especially <laughs> in the world I'm in now, I'm in this CrossFit world, and like I, you know, I, <coughs> a year ago I'm at a competition, and my you know, it's a long competition, my body's beat up, and so I, in the middle of it, I'm going to consume a little concentrate, and like some like CrossFitters walk by and see me, and I, I mean, <laughs> I might as well have been putting a needle in my arm, you know what I mean? They were just yeah. like, oh my god, <laughs> and then like I like kicked all their asses and they were like what the hell's going on here you know what i mean like um and i I went to the european regional in 2009 or 10 or 11 10 11 i can't remember and i remember it was in uh, manchester and a lot of the european teams a handful of european teams would be smoking yeah uh, yeah. not joint cigarettes that was pretty funny yeah i i got a question for you yes sir Uh, um I love nicotine. In my 20s and 30s, I was like, just smoked like crazy. And yeah. I love nicotine. I thought it was great. I did it in everything I did. I did it before I trained, after I trained, while I was reading, dri- driving. I just loved nicotine. And I started doing CrossFit, and uh, I think I was 33 or 34. And they, I couldn't do both. 
Yeah. Um, they didn't, um, they didn't intersect and I liked CrossFit more and I knew that smoking was bad for me. Yeah. Not nicotine consumption yeah. per se, but smoking was bad for me. So I quit smoking and I tried over the years many times to quit just cause I didn't want to die from lung disease or cancer. So, you know, eventually I quit and, and, and it's cool. I trade, I upgraded yeah, for CrossFit. Hugely. <laughs> How can you smoke? joints how can you burn i'm assuming that burning anything and inhaling smoke into your lungs is like no bueno yeah i completely agree with you and i i only vaporize mm -hmm. so this is this is my story now i can promise you um there's probably some, and tell us what vaporizing is so okay um and again i'm not i, I might butcher this because i'm not much of a scientist but i'm going to try my best a lighter burns at around 700 degrees. Okay. And that is the heat that it requires to combust plant material, which is like, um, which is burning, like to be able to burn grass. Like, like the so. campfire in my backyard. Exactly. Okay. Um, and, and I'm going to back up one step here and, and give you guys a little marijuana science and then we'll jump back into this. Okay. Uh, marijuana mm -hmm. is, uh, it, it's a plant that grows flowers and the flowers um, are just plant matter, no different than grass on the ground outside. But the, the the crazy power of the marijuana plant is that it then, as it grows these flowers, which are just plant matter, the flowers secrete trichomes, which is a resinous, sticky substance that has THC and CBD in it and also has uh, terpenes, the loud, stinky flavors that you smell in marijuana. Mm -hmm. And so there's... When you smoke a bud of marijuana, you are smoking plant matter that is covered in trichomes and THC. There's a new process. Uh, well, there's, it's an old process. It's hash. We've heard of hash for years. Now, most people, when they think of hash, they think of like some black tar from Nepal that they saw on a TV show or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like the people <laughs> scrape it off yeah, their hands exactly. and sell it to make money. And, and, and uh, the way I'm going to educate you guys on hash is that you know how marijuana has 100 names, bud, dank, uh, herb, chronic, is Sticky all, icky. yeah, all names for marijuana. Thank you, Matt. So hash, <laughs> hash has, um, a bunch of different names, oil, um, earl, shatter, wax, butter. And, okay. and, and those, and when you, if, uh, the new rave is vape pens and everyone thinks they're like vaping, mm -hmm. so they're vaping hash there. It's literally hash. It's just the trichomes off of the plant. So what I, the easiest way to explain it is the if trichomes I, are those little crystals you see covering the flowers. Yes. Right. Precisely. And the easiest What's way the to, point of those anyway, I mean like outside of smoking them, like why does nature have those? Are those to attract bees or is that to keep insects off the plant? Actually or? to collect pollen. So to, it, okay, the, right. the plant gets sticky and it collects pollen and I could be so just the females produce that yes. the female plants and then yes. the male pollen sticks to it. Yep. And, okay. And the females are the only one you want to smoke because they don't have any seeds in them. So we only grow female plants but so fast forward to um smoking and combusting a lighter has will burn plant matter at 700 oh one more step sorry if we went outside right now and grabbed a handful of grass out of the yard and took some hash and smeared it on it that's a bud of marijuana plant matter and trichomes okay and so what we've done is we've created a process to extract the trichomes. Matt, we should get into the business Chlorophyll? Yeah. Sounds I mean, like just that's, chlorophyll. That, that, that's, well, that sounds like a way of making a bag weigh more than it should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuffing it with oregano. Right. Hey, it's got trichomes on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's a, been a process for thousands of years to extract the trichomes off the plant. Um, back in Morocco, uh, like a hundred years ago, they put potato sacks on kids and cut a hole out for the head and have them run through the fields and they'd come out covered in it and they'd take warm machetes and, and peel Ooh, off the, the trichomes off oh. the sacks. And then they make bubble hash, which 
is ice water and, and filtered bags. And now they make all these new crazy extractions with solvents and um, BHO, butane hash oil, um, CO2 oil. These are all the new uh, raves, and that's what goes into the vape pens. But we're fast forward to the. I'm sorry, this took so long. No, it's fast good. forward it's good. to the. I'm um, high. To smoking marijuana. <laughs> if I packed a bowl of you know, plant matter with trichomes on it, just actual flour, I, I would need a lighter to burn it at about 750 degrees, 700 degrees. And what that's going to do is it's going to combust and, and decarboxylate, which means like release all the gases from the plant matter. And again, please have a scientist come correct me on this because I'm sure I'm butchering this somehow. Yeah, keep but, going. The spirit um, of it sounds right. Precise. And it's yeah. close. Um, but I, I know the temperature is right, and I know that you're burning plant matter, and, and what's left over is an ash. We, if you've ever smoked a joint or a bowl of weed, there's always an ash left over. It's the, 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 the burnt-up plant matter that did not, that did not combust because it's ash now. Now, you take just the trichomes off the marijuana, and those melt at about 480 degrees and so you don't have to light a lighter and burn it at a heat high enough to create smoke and to combust it and to decarboxylate it so now all we're doing is melting these trichomes at a low enough temperature that it turns into a vapor and inhaling the vapor so i do not inhale and exhale smoke ever on a daily basis it's more like a fume Yes, exactly. It's a vapor. It's vaporizing. Vapor. And so, meaning there's moisture. What is vapor? What's the definition of vapor? It's a gas, right? Uh, that I don't know. I'm gas not, and a. I'm you're sure sticking with vapor. Like, I like that. We're trying to get yeah. you to say gas yeah, and yeah. fume. You're well, like, no, like guys, vapor. vapor. <laughs> well, and it's like vaping. <laughs> vapor. It's it's a va- you know vaping and check it out, Eric. And so, like, for me, and ironically, what is the best vape pen? Um, man, there's a lot of them out there. Um, I I, I think right now for the day to day consumer, the Pax Era is the best. I was actually the conceptual inventor of that, and I'm not saying the, that I that because I was the conceptual inventor. I just want to brag that I had a cool idea and my friends made the, the product. Nice. But the company packs out of San Francisco, um, makes a small little pocket-sized pen. It's got cartridges that can be strain-specific, so you can try different, uh, car, you know, you can have five cartridges in your pocket and just plug it into the top of the pen. There's an app for your phone where you can control the temperature. Oh, of course, wow. there's an app for your phone. And you can lock it. So if you leave it around your kids, um, you can literally open up your phone and lock your Crazy. pen so where they can't smoke off mm-hmm. of it. And the temperature Clutter. control is a big deal because uh, what we've been learning is the lower temperature is a much healthier way to consume. If you're the higher temperature will actually get you higher, more stone, oh. but the lower temperature won't. It will get you all the medicinal effects without blasting your head. A lot of uh, a lot of the effect of marijuana has to do with the burning at the high temperature, the, um, mm-hmm. the combustion of the plant. It, it's, it's a whole lot more carcinogens that give you that like dopey cloudy effect. When you, when you vaporize hash, you, it's actually a very clear uplifting, uh, it, it's replaced mm-hmm. caffeine for me. It's, it's like absolutely like, a, is, um, is there a different, is there a different, um, effect? Like when you smoke hash, you're horny. When you smoke marijuana, you're no, limp. I think that's like, vodka versus tequila. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. No, I think that like... <laughs> is there a difference for you? <laughs> I'm do you, not answering Do you have an al- alcohol? You brought it up, Kara. Do you have an alcohol? Obviously, tequila is just, what you need yeah. to give her. I'm just trying to relate here. But do you use a vaporizer or do you use pens normally? I use a... Because um, I've seen like the... Like yeah, the vaporizer, I think, if sits on yes, a table. That's and yeah, like that's got to be like, like 10 hose. years old, though. I think people right? have moved on no, past that. No, okay. that's, actually, that's actually still prevalent. Have you seen yeah. the ones that fill up it the like big plugs huge in. bag? Yeah. So what I have is... Um, you should take the bag with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's called a... I made... I actually invented my own little thing, and it's not even sold in a store, and it's, like, my idea, and I'm actually trying to maybe make a product out of it, but... Matt, um, write this down. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys... I've got record going. Mental notes. Um, it's a small... Um, like glass pipe and it has a titanium nail in it and the titanium nail can be heated up to uh with a small little lighter uh the temperature of about 500 degrees i just know with a digital gun and over time that it's about five seconds with a small little uh lighter and then you heat it up to the certain temperature and then you just set the concentrate on top of it and it turns into a vapor and you breathe it in and it's Mm. like takes like 10 seconds which um back to when i was 450 i would roll and smoke multiple joints a day and so we're talking like four to six hours a day spent because it takes 15, 20 minutes to roll a joint. So it's, it sounds like going, uh, doing a pour over versus going to the Keurig. Yeah. yeah. yeah, so yeah are you totally. changed? Did you start vaporizing when you got more into fitness? It literally happened. The revolution happened during my, during my journey. Yeah. It was like, it just kind of came. It was like, I, one thing about my story that we haven't touched on is that every time I've ever gotten to a place where I almost ran out of steam, where I almost got complacent, where I almost ran out of um, resources and, and, and ability, you know, whatever it takes, God has put something in my life like incredible, hmm. like something so much bigger than me and so much greater than me that I can like never possibly catch that. And, hmm. um, and, and it's happened over and over and over and over to constantly ignite my fire, to constantly instill passion into me. And, um, not that that was when hash happened, but that was like a, a blessed miracle that all of a sudden, right. uh, you know, I don't have to, one, I have four hours a day back in my life. And two, um, I'm now no longer combusting plant material. Let's and talk, let's talk about the God fearing part. Yes, um, fearing or fearing? Fearing, I think. Fearing. Honoring. If you're on a boat, you're God fearing, right? Yeah. How about we celebrate? <laughs> when, when you hang around, when you're not around carnal men, yeah. And you're around your Hawaii posse. Yeah. Lovers of the word. Yes, sir. Do they have issues? Are they trying to like put hands on you and take the demon weed out of you? No. No. Uh, like, uh, that's the, that's how those slice on the guns got me. Um, because, because a lot of those guys are recovering yeah. blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm a real anomaly to their world. Okay. Um, and so those who don't know, uh, we're talking about CrossFit poi <coughs> wearing their shirts today. I wore it on purpose. I'm actually sweating through it. I know I'm having a good time. I'm, sweat, I'm sweating. sweating too. When I get excited. Yeah, I'm sweating too. Any I'm good sweating. business meeting, anytime I've ever been in a good meeting, I sweat through my clothes. If you know, if I didn't sweat, it wasn't a good meeting. Seriously. <laughs> um, so we're talking about CrossFit poi These guys are... You're um, sweating because Matt's got a golf club. Yeah, he yeah, never he sat against a dude. He's just like twirling a golf club for an hour. I, uh, the character. reason I'm sitting here right now, um, the reason this all happened is I dropped in. I was on vacation in Kauai, and I dropped into CrossFit Poipu and took a, took a class. Um, I, my hotel was – I Googled the cross, closest gym. It was two miles away. Went and did a class. I met um, the guys there. It didn't happen the first day. But was that giant dude there who owns the place? Aaron, Aaron no. Hoff? No. So the first day was Juan. He's uh, one of the coaches that coaches the kids' classes. Oh, he's yoked too. All the guys there are yeah, yoked out yeah. of their mind, right? And then the second day was Eric Botsford. He's a regionals athlete from California, Northern California. He knows a lot of you guys really well. He used to live in this area. He owned a gym, CrossFit Good Times. Is that 
the guy with the red-headed wife? Yes. And he's got a body like Adonis? Like, he's like the most beautiful man on earth. Like, yes, I know him. Says yeah, he's probably in there yeah. somewhere. Um, but, uh, Is he, that his wife right there? Or No, that's Rory Zambar, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, he's not in this photo. No. Okay. Um, he's, if you can find a photo of us on my Instagram, there's like... Uh, he, I, but it doesn't matter. He anyway. kind of reminds me of Pat Burke. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah. I, I did his comp this weekend. Okay, yeah. They both, you're just, they look like they fell out of a magazine. Totally, yeah. dude. Eric, everyone said, Eric's like the face of Tough Mudder. And um, Eric changed my life forever. Uh, we I, That's this, where CrossFit athletes go to die, by the way. <laughs> where was Tough Mudder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric, uh, Eric was, I dropped in. It was a Saturday class, second time going there. Um, he was doing a class. Uh, you guys know Jamie Silva that passed away? She used to work here, right? Um, she died of cancer. Yeah, she's friend. Yes, she's Friends a friend of, of your guys here. Yep. Um, I know I've never met her. Um, I, I walked in and he said we're doing a partner workout today to celebrate the life of my friend Jamie Silva that just oh. passed away. And I said, okay, well then I'm gonna try and kill myself for Jamie Silva today because she's not here to celebrate her legs and arms that that I get to celebrate. And so. Um, I, we went out and did this workout together and had this energetic explosion and, and I kept feeling this feeling, um, of like, first I thought it was ancient Hawaiian spirits. And, and I mean, it is, uh, there's, if you go to Kauai, you'll feel it the second you put your feet on the ground there. I feel it in New Orleans and I feel it in Kauai very, very strong. Um, definitely been a very spiritual person my whole life, but didn't have a definition to my destination. I just knew that like spirit was big in me and that love and, and giving and kindness and all these things of positivity were, were going to be the key to my success. Just didn't know why. I was you were like that as a kid? Always. Okay. Um, I had an epiphany when I was 14 years old, actually. Um, smoking marijuana, listening to Bob Marley. I realized that... You every- smoked weed at 14? Yes, sir. Too young. Yeah, too young. Sorry. I don't know. No, no, I don't know. I was a freshman in high school. Um, <laughs> I'm a new parent. I'm supposed to say shit Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I like kept going to Kauai. Um, Wait, Sorry. We can, I want to get to the God spiritual yeah, thing. Yeah, that's where I'm going. How, but I'm going to stop you a second yes, so people can tell me I interrupt too much. How young is too young? To smoke marijuana? Yeah. Like I'm saying, like, like I didn't do any drugs or really smoke weed until I was in my 20s. Yeah. So here's where I'm going to challenge you. Don't smoke it or consume it or use the plant. Right. Because I don't think you should smoke it until, you know, you're an adult and you can make decisions for yourself. Um, but I have friends with two and three-year-old children who take CBD and THC every single day. Um, the kids take it. Yeah, because of Down syndrome, because of, um, you know, like I have a friend whose son's got... So as a substitute for other prescriptions 100%. doctors are giving them. Okay, yeah. that's, in, I, that's then interesting. I think then we, we go all the way to infancy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if the, so a tiny drop of CBD can help a baby sleep at night versus taking a pharmaceutical pill that's going to keep them up at night. Right. Is marijuana considered addictive? Um, I don't think it is, is it? It's... I, I never say, thought of it as addictive, it and I smoked it for years. It is addictive. Oh, it is addictive? It is 100%. It's consider- okay. it, I don't know if it's considered. It has to be because... Scientifically <laughs> or... Just socially. You thought, can ruin your life with it. I thought people just liked the taste. I have friends. <laughs> if you don't inhale, you're fine. I mean, you, can, you, <laughs> you, you fucking almost ruin your life with fucking pizza. Yeah. And marijuana. Excellent point. Um, it, it's, <laughs> if anything, it, you can ruin your life. My friend Rory Zambar uh, from Hawaii taught me that it can be exercise. Right. You know what I mean? Huh. Like right. you can, you yeah. can, whatever you make your idol, whatever you make your God, that's, if it's not God, then you, then it can ruin your life. And, and marijuana is absolutely can be that contributing factor, but it can be golf. I love and that. It can be social media and it can be anything. And I love so, that. um, back to, um, so the spirit of Kauai. Yeah. So keep going back to Kauai. Start like literally going every single month. And you like, said you were doing that workout for that lady who died. Yes. Oh, so we did Silva 
Eric and I, um, Eric is going to be one of my um, top ten favorite people in the world for the rest of my life. Eric is an incredible human. Uh, if you if you watch any of the Tough Mudder stuff, he does all their like um, their announcing and also their internet stuff. And he works for CBS. He's just the guy's got the biggest personality I've ever met in my life. And energetically, we we erupted. And also, he's one of the fittest people I've ever met. And so. He, and again, was at a place where starting to really have some success with CrossFit and could have become very complacent. And instead, Eric like, ignited a fire versus, like, you know, anything else. He just he, picked his family up and moved to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Just and he's like a jack of all gym. trades. That guy could rub two rocks wow. together and make a totally. living. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, ama- he's amazing. He's, um, he, he, and then, so I hadn't even met Hoff yet, who uh-huh. is the owner of the gym. And so I meet Eric and like, I'm like, oh my God, you're going to be one of my best friends forever. And then I meet Aaron through Eric and they're completely polar opposites. Um, Aaron is a living sober, you know, community guy. Eric's a family guy and, and travels all around the world. And um, between the two of them, I had met like two of my best friends in the whole world. So yeah, there's Hoffy right there. Um, so I kept going back and kept feeling this this something drawing me it gets me all the way to the hawaiian trail run we spend like, so you go what were you there originally for in hawaii were you there for work yes sir so you're doing some consulting on a huge marijuana plantation yep. outdoor grow yes sir indoor indoor grow they don't allow outdoor in hawaii what or not. The? it's the stupidest thing in the whole world um and so you go to the hawaii gym and you meet these guys when yeah. you return to hawaii is it for more work or is it because for them wow okay yeah i was so like, you got the bug so yeah. something there yeah, you liked them. Yes. Were you sleeping with someone on the team? No. <laughs> you, so it wasn't sexual? Nothing, no. And, and it wasn't, okay. I'm it was purely to... spiritual attraction. Okay. Yeah, I say something was being fulfilled. Something was happening over there that I, and like also like the amount of fitness I was getting in 10 days there, that was where I learned fitness outside the gym. That's where I learned yeah. like we're hiking and surfing it's and fun. going and doing two workouts a day. Oh, we like, blasted the fuck out of you yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's, I, want to, I want you to remember. <laughs> awesome. Good. <laughs> I will. Um, but it, it was like I kept going back because it was the cleanest, healthiest place I'd ever been around so much love and so much uh, ohana. It's family. It's, uh, it's uh, the word ohana. I use the hashtag on almost all my photos. It's family. It's, um, it's, a, it's a community sense that like is unbelievable. And then on top of that, there's an honesty there and a rawness there that I've never met in my life. They have uh, every Monday night at Aaron's house, they have a prayer group. And it's not denominational, and it's it's like an AA meeting, an NA meeting, a community check-in, a potluck, a Christian fellowship meeting, and also like there's moms there that complain about having too much laundry that week. It's just a place to have your voice heard mm-hmm. and sit around a room for yeah, your friends, and everyone gets two minutes to speak. I I I, I shared once my whole story there. Is I, it just men? Is it a men's club? No, no, no. It's uh, it's women. the whole community. Yeah, just and like checking. literally, um, you'll have like. I've been to one with like Dan Bailey and a homeless crackhead. We're all sitting <coughs> together in the same room sharing their stories. Opposite ends the spectrum. And it's so freaking cool. And and the whole community knows it's there. I and mean, whenever you travel from out of town, you always go. So been to a hundred of them, not a hundred. Been to ten of them. Um, felt good every time. And and the the one online uh, the one common denominator that they that they're all Christian and not one of them told me about it. Not one of them shoved it in my face. Not one of them bragged about it. Not one of them asked me if I was Christian. They didn't. There was no conversation about it whatsoever. It simply, Hoffie calls it attraction over promotion, and um, they never once promoted it. They never once put it in my face. So, doing this over and over, I go back for the trail run. The trail runs where it got really crazy for me. Um, 
I saw, met some of the best athletes in the world, met some of the most amazing humans in the world. And the, for 10 days, we all volunteered for this terrible, terrible race in the middle of this mountain with all this mud and rain and great promotion. Can't wait yeah. to go next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. And everyone had the time of their lives. Right. And it's like the worst, best time ever. And the fact that you survive it is almost like what is special about it. And right. with Kauai, if you don't know Kauai, if you go there and you don't want to hike in the rain and you don't want to get mud on your clothes, don't go to Kauai. <laughs> um, it's, it's the wettest place on earth. It's, it's like, it's something that you either embrace and it's slippery, snot mud. It's everything is oh, tough. Yeah. And, um, so the trail run, we go there and I experienced this love I've never felt before in my life. And it's like radiating in every human and everywhere you go every day, people are selflessly giving. We had to carry, uh, 16 cases of water on our shoulders up okay. to the top of the mountain. So when everyone ran to the top of the mountain, there was water up there. I was like, it was like the brink of death every time I'd get up there. And then I'd have to go back down and get another oh, you case made multiple of water. Wow. Just like so many things where you just like selflessly gave for this greater cause, but yet you received 10 times more than you could have ever mm. given. And everyone's feeling it. Cody Mooney, games athlete, was parking cars, valet cars. Cody was parking cars. Yeah. Um, Sam Pretty was, sexy. Yeah, was he like, doing it with his shirt off? He had a shirt on actually. <laughs> lame, uh, yeah, lame. Yeah, but he uh, there. He did a. The, we did a kids workout, and the kid, these girls came up to him afterwards, like, "Can we get a picture with you, Cody?" And he was like, "Yeah." And this seven-year-old girl was like, "Will you take your shirt off?" And he was like, uh, "No, no, I won't." He's young still, so he was yeah. like all offended, you know. Um, but uh, cute, the whole thing was just like the most, and I would encourage anyone to look into the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run and donate and go. It's all for a kids CrossFit program. That was my team. We competed together. That's you? Yeah. That's you look me. hard as fuck right there. Yeah, dude. I was mad. That's a good look on you. I wanted to win. Um, you ever thought got, about being in the movies? Uh-uh. You know Tate Fletcher? Uh-uh. He's a CrossFitter. Okay. He was just, by the, he had a pretty big part in the new Van Damme series on Showtime. He's in everything. If you saw him, Tate you would- Fletcher. You would be like know who he was exactly yeah. yeah you would know who he is he has a crazy mustache he's been in probably a bit a hundred movies nice. big dude CrossFitter he owns a coffee company in Los Angeles I see him at the California Region all the time anyway okay. um you should, well, you should give me your phone number I bet you get yeah, you some roles dude I'm yeah. in I'm yeah. like I'm asking God and universe for whatever it wants to give me so you're at this meeting they got the 50 Christians there you don't know they're Christians and oh so we're at the it's at the end of the run. And everyone's sharing their story and everyone has the same story. They're like, yeah, this was like one of the hardest weeks of my life. And I just like, man, I was so tired. My body was so beat up. And, but God, God, put, and everyone was explaining their story, but putting God at the end of it and giving God the credit. And, and I was like, I was watching like some of my favorite people in the whole world share their story and they weren't talking to me. They weren't trying to promote God to me. All they were simply doing was telling their story. And, and I felt the same love and radiating vibration of energy that I had been building and building and building every time I was there. And that came to this like huge culmination during this week of the run. And it was all for these kids and it's all for this program to keep these kids off the streets and not doing drugs. And everyone just like is so thrilled that Hoffie's doing it and so willing to help. And um, the coming together of the community, the Ohana, the family, it was like overwhelming to me. And during this meeting, everyone's sharing their story and they're giving credit to God. And it gets through like 40 people. And finally I'm like, oh shit, like I've always questioned God my whole life. I, I've always been knowing there was, I've always known there was a higher power. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who it was. And I, I like, I was born and raised Catholic. So I kind of ran from that whole thing. Um, when I got out of high school and college and 
was always a very spiritual person but didn't have a definition for it. And during that meeting, all these people were giving Christian God credit. And I was like really, really thinking about it and considering it. And finally I asked the question to myself, are all these people wrong or am I wrong? And at that very moment, <clears throat> I'm not lying to you guys. I, I'm, I don't know how it happened, but God opened my mouth up and poured all the love in the world in my heart. And I like the first time I ever really asked the question and wanted to know the answer and was not afraid to find out the answer, it happened so overwhelming. It was like I got kicked in the chest by a horse. I mean, I can't explain what happened. I was sitting um, <clears throat> next to uh, Rory Zambar, one of my best, best friends over there, and like just started bawling my eyes out and, and like was like, I, it wasn't even my turn to share yet. I was just listening Crazy. and was just like, I mean, it's, it's full goosebumps right now. And it's the most powerful feeling I've ever felt in my life. And since that very moment, I might have been like on a, on a rocket ship of energy that is like, just, I can't even control it. And, and that's, I'm sitting here now and, and now I'm at CrossFit HQ talking to you guys. Were you vibrating when it happened? Did you feel yourself like doing the little I felt all I felt was like I felt the most love I've ever felt in my entire life and the most safe I've ever felt in my entire life and I've had like a few confirming moments ever since um that that like really like proved it was even more right and um what do you mean you opened your mouth and you felt it like like the way a baby gasps right before it cries like you know like I I mean all I can tell you is I felt like someone was like grabbed me and pulled my jaw out and just like took a picture of all the love in the world and poured it down my throat I mean it's the only way I can it was like I would just I've never heard that um that description of like enlightenment yeah yeah so you had a moment of just pure clarity pure beauty And, and I can't get it out of my mind now I can't like everywhere I go, everything I, and it's like, it's infectious. It's, I, I like want to share it now. I'm like curious cause I'm, I'm almost boldly ignorant in the Bible and in Christianity because I, I don't know much about it, but I know it's all real now. The cool thing is the, so then like the next step is the Bible. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to read the Bible. And what was your idol before this earlier? You said something that I thought was really cool. Um, uh, even coming from a carnal man like myself, you said, if you have something, you have an idol besides God then anything can be your downfall, whether it be fitness or yeah, whatever. Mine was self, was and, ego. And did you have and you and that actually? And how many months ago was this experience you had in Hawaii? Um, five or so. Five months ago. Yeah, I think or four, maybe four or five yeah, months. Yeah, trail ago. run. Wow. Four, so if we would have met you five or six months ago, you'd have been a different guy. One million percent. Ah, not, uh, I would tell you the same <coughs> story without. The only difference between finding God for me, the best definition of finding God for me is being at the end of self. And it's, it's, it's just not being your God anymore. It's not um, celebrating your accomplishments anymore. It's celebrating God's accomplishments and knowing that I'm just a vessel of his spirit. And like everything that I'm doing here on this earth that's cool and great and, and that would feed my ego, if you're at the end of self, if you put it beyond you, then you can't take credit for all this stuff. It's him. And like, I, I, I didn't do anything right. I just, I was a flawed human being that had a ton of things to work on and started trying to consciously put my effort into fixing those things and was, and was doing it in spirit of God without his name, if that makes sense. I, I would always, I love to make people smile. I love to share my energy and love with people. I just did it for me. Right. And, and it wasn't like a ego thing. When you say ego, you think of like, oh, this egotistical asshole. It wasn't that at all. It was like, I, I, 
I was relying on me because I knew I could do it for myself and I knew I could be successful in doing that. And that's a great place to be. If you, to love yourself is the first step. And, and I, I think that's the one thing Christianity, some forms of Christianity will argue in, is that like, there is no loving you, it's loving God. And it's like, no, that's not true. You have to l- truly, truly love yourself to find God, I feel like. And, and that's the part we haven't touched on, is that leading up to going to Kauai and then going to Kauai, they taught me how to love myself, and that's how I could find God's love. You know, they saw a light in me, and they kept they they attracted me just as I attracted them. And, and finding that light in yourself is a great way to find God. When you say they helped you find your love, um, Eric put up a picture of you and you had your shirt off. When was the last time you had your shirt off before then? Man. Like, were you hiding for years before then? Yeah, the first time I ever took my shirt off in a workout was at in Aaron's house during the trail run this year. So it actually, they, you felt liberated around yeah. that. The first, first like, time these, I ever posted These guys posted aren't going to judge me. I'm free. Yeah, that picture I posted uh, that you had up earlier with me and Sam and Easy, first time I've ever put a picture on my Instagram with my shirt off. I think I've got three up since. Um, Does, totally. it, does it freak you out whenever I put that up? Like when you see that? Huge mouse yeah. Not at all, You're man. like, holy shit, there I am. <laughs> yeah, not at all. You look I mean, amazing. of course, I look at the. Uh, it looks like he's wearing a banana hammock with a giant dong in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's a yeah. It's a fanny pack. Yeah, yeah. it's a fanny pack and a banana hammock. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I look at my stretch marks. I look at the skin that uh, is hanging off there, and I'm super self-conscious. I got to get skin surgery at some point. Um, I don't have to. It's a vanity thing, and it's a real like. It's a real. That's my biggest crossroads. Is am I going to do it? I, I really. It might be a good place to have a tattoo that says something. Yeah. Awesome if, like, too, right? Instead of doing not, that. But it's not that. It's loose skin. It's right. like um, if if I like were to get into a plank. Whenever I do yoga with my shirt off, I get into a plank, and I'm just like, oh my god, it sucks. It's like pockets of skin that just hang off that yeah, don't a, like a, you're hiding a kangaroo a in there. To have, it's though. a badge hey, it's yeah. a badge of that's honor. what i was thinking I yeah totally badge. Yep. And, and there's a kid um oh shit there's easy i didn't even see that yeah this is my training partner josh this kid's a stud too he's 24 keep an eye out on him in crossfit i promise what's his last name josh monroe he's only been in crossfit for oh, a no. year so you won't you'll know of him in a year or two but yeah. he's got a fire in him. do you still own a dispensary i do well that's a good question. I'm the owner of a, um, I have a equity piece in a dispensary extraction license and cultivation in Maryland. And then I have small equity pieces. That's my largest, I guess, endeavor. And then I have small equity pieces in cultivations throughout the country. You but I'm not an owner. You used to own a store in Colorado. Yes. That sold marijuana. Yes. And you had a two gram limit purchase. Yeah. In the store. Yeah, well, when it first became now, like, where's the capitalism in that? It was when it was like only this makes when no sense to me. When I heard this, legal. I'm just like, what? Yeah, that was uh, what happened was in January 2014, recreational marijuana became legal. It was only in Colorado. The whole world flocked to Colorado to buy it, and it was like it'd be like if you had 10 cases of beer and needed to sell it to 2,000 people. All of a sudden, you can only sell a little cup of beer to everybody. Right. And that's where we were at. Is we were on, we were only allowed to sell them two grams. It it, on, it only lasted for three, four, or five months. Was it out of benevolence or was it out of like wanting to cultivate a good clientele? It was... A large clientele. It was out of trying to weather the storm. It was trying to keep product on the shelf so that if once you ran out of product and shut your door because you didn't have product, you buried your business. Okay. And so we were just trying to literally... It was a business decision. Yeah, and it was a, it was a great one at the time. I'm, I'm so glad we did it. We The funny thing is is it made a $9,000 pound. So 
Um, the, wow. the profit margin was like 96%. I, I worked with a business analyst who's much smarter than me, a friend of mine's business analyst. And during these times, one night we, that's went like to, Apple money. Yeah. We went to a concert one night and the whole night he's asking me questions. He didn't want to bother me. So he's like, so how much do you sell a pound for? And I'm like, yeah, it's about $20, $25 a gram. And it's all by the gram. How much does it cost to grow? And he's doing all these numbers all night. And finally he gets back on the bus with me at the end of the ride home. And he's like really bothered. I can tell. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, you have a 90% profit margin right now. He's like, I go for 22%. You know what I mean? He was just like completely floored. Now that's come and gone in Colorado. Um, I believe in the new markets, it's still available on um, immature markets. When I say immature markets, I mean, California is a very established billion dollar a year economy inside of marijuana. That's all even mostly not legal money. If you go to a Maryland or to a Massachusetts, you're in a very immature market that doesn't understand the, the, business aspect of marijuana it also isn't booming and thriving there without the legalization so um there's still some some crazy margins left out there you had a your big business your primary business is consulting yes sir um i bought a warehouse in oakland it's sixty-five thousand square feet i'm ready to grow i bring you in before i buy the lights and everything and what what fertilizers to use and where to send my waste and how to overcome laws and the parameters that I have to grow it. Engineering and HVAC and design also on the front end too. You used to have a rule where you wouldn't do grows that were larger than a hundred thousand square feet. Do you still have that rule? Yes, I do. And tell me about that. Why? Why? I mean, I I have 400,000 square feet in Oakland. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Why won't you help me? Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready to go big and make that 90%. Yeah. I, um, I am a rare um, maybe I'm not rare. I, I am so stuck in my ways. When I first started growing marijuana, I grew it for one reason. It's because I wanted to smoke the best marijuana possible. Um, as the industry evolved, there was definitely a crossroads period where you could go left or right. And left was um, Rolex and right was Walmart. And I went left. And I, 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 not that I can grow a Rolex, but I, 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 try and, I try and make my products the most high end possible with the most love and attention to the flower, not to the, uh, not to the economic draw or aspect of marijuana. Um, I, it's a very lucrative plant that you can make a lot of money. Sounds off like of. a CrossFit affiliate. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's the parallels between fitness and, and my industry are absolutely incredible. It's, I, I, I'm constantly comparing the two or using, oh, yeah. using marijuana to, to explain fitness or vice versa. Um, I, I suffered for a while uh, in about 2014 or 15 or so. Those um, are some crazy dang. drying racks. Yeah. <laughs> Holy that's shit. all organic outdoor marijuana. That's, that, that's my biggest proof of God I've ever seen in my life was what God did crazy. with seeds and water out in a field in Oregon. This We're looking at some video Jeez. on uh, uh, B-I-C-K-E-L-C-O, B-I-C-K-E-L-C-O on Instagram. And he has some footage um, inside some of these indoor farms. Wow. It's uh, yeah, that's, that's stunning. Insane. Stunning. How many people do you work with? Um, I am in um, 14 different states right now, okay. and I'm in like Puerto Rico and doing some different stuff. Um, like specifically this yeah. location. Like how many people? Kara wants use? to know: Can she go there? Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, anyone that's can crazy. go anytime. Yeah, this looks like this is like the inside of a Costco. Yeah, just like all out. We let you compete against Rory, and you're going to take us to a marijuana farm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You guys, you guys gave me the slam dunk on Rory. So, so, so basically, (laughs) ouch. (laughs) Um, 
So basically what you're saying is is that you think over 100,000 square feet that the attention needed to grow the quality that you insist on growing can't it's be not, done? It's not de- available. Um, okay. And, and, and there's actually really great companies out there that do um, – they help people grow money, not marijuana and or not flowers. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally supportive of it because for the growth of the industry and also for access, I want a, a, a you know, a family household that, that combines sixty thousand dollars a year that with two kids in a poor economic you know, part of the country to be able to access a twenty dollar bag of marijuana that could get them through an entire week of like Every night they're like attentive around their kids and not drinking <coughs> alcohol and like laughing and out having a better outlook on life. Um, right. I really want to make the plan available in a way that that's there. I also want to continue to do what I do, which is um, push the limits of the plan and and you know be crazy and extreme like I do in everything. Um, I want to make the best possible flowers there are, and I want to make sure that um, you know that's going to be what really advances the medicine of the plant is to to biologically push the plant uh, the correct way to allow it to thrive, not just survive, and to create a, a better flower with a better medicine. I can promise you that the higher quality of the flower, the higher quality of the effect. So and you're really just a flower fan. 100%. God, you and my wife have a lot in common. Nice. You know, she's got a flower budget. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Don't get me started on flowers. <laughs> Fucking waste of money extravagance. Um, I have a whole monologue on that. Final question before we go work out, because yeah. we got a 12 o'clock workout. Yes, sir. Um, I'm a hundred pounds overweight. Yes. I'm becoming the common human being in the United States of America. What advice does Matthew Bickle have for me to take my first step? Movement heals. It's been the first thing I put on my body. Um, tattoo wise. I don't have any tattoos and I'm getting one as soon as possible. It says movement heals. Um, I want to sit down with you and I want to look you in the eye. And the first thing I want to ask you is what your excuse is. Mm-hmm. And then once you tell me, I'm going to tell you that movement will heal that. And um, I really, really want you to take a look at at how limiting your life is becoming to that hundred pounds of extra weight on your body. How much, how much, how tired you are. Do you, do you realize it even? You probably don't, but um, uh, you know, I would just tell you that start moving, just get up and walk around your block one time a day. Um, every day. Every single day. And, and make it a common, normal thing to just be up and moving. Um, I think that, like, you know, setting an alarm on your phone and and maybe 15 minutes every hour while you're at work, stand up. Just stand up, you know. I think something that's small. something little bitty, bitty baby steps. Um, I think we can, when you feel that accomplishment of, like, wow, I stood up all 15 minutes of eight hours today. I did it. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, I can't even comprehend that being an accomplishment. Yeah. I can't even comprehend it. You know, it reminds me of like something that Greg takes. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's like, you know, if you're, if you're at that point, you know, set an alarm, you know, every two hours, get up from the couch, walk to the fridge, make a two-block meal, walk back. You know, yep. that's, that's a success. Totally. And, and, and giving, give, yourself, give yourself a break. Start hate, start loving yourself and stop hating yourself. You, you can't be 100 pounds overweight and not have a serious self-image issue. And and just know that, like, know that in this community that we're in, that I'm starting to thrive in, that the, the people will welcome you with open arms and that there's nothing to be embarrassed about and that, there, that Matt Frazier is going to spend this whole year taking two seconds off of every workout and adding five pounds to all his PRs and you can have a world 
of accomplishments and goals and um you, you can know, actually accomplish more than matt frazier ever possibly yes ever, it's a very I mean, good point your ceiling is so far he's his head is so pressed up against his ceiling right and ours we can't even see it i love watching his head pressed against the ceiling yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, i it, can't it, wait to watch it at the games this year yeah totally but, but you're right i, I his I, and i mean i like I, I i compare that to games athletes all the time i hey man like yeah you're good for you you're gonna get five more pounds on your snatch this year i'm gonna get 40 right and like that and they're and they're probably depressed when their friend goes from 225 to 231 yeah (laughs) totally totally they got it not even worth celebrating (laughs) right yeah it's um so so get up and move get up and move movement heels that's what i got we talked about so much um i really wanted to talk about brooke wells we never got to that i wanted to talk mm-hmm. about um apple's got a, a patent on a vaporizing pen i wanted to know what you knew about that i wanted to talk about whether you're married and to talk about relationships and sex on marijuana i wanted to talk about um uh some more about being a, a born again is yeah that, is that a fair term yes sir um uh i wanted to talk more about your feelings around food i want to talk about your interactions i've seen you with uh nfl players and yeah. your thoughts about um cte and brain damage yeah um I wanted to talk about um, more about no coffee, no alcohol, just marijuana, like and, and, and what your plans are if you ever to maybe give up marijuana. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we didn't get to any of that because we got to go work out. Yeah. But um, I want to talk about Eric Dickerson. I wanted to talk about whether you knew O.J. Simpson or not because yeah. Eric Dickerson, Eric Dickerson knows O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And and then I saw you with Eric Dickerson. Yeah. I guess it was, so. You just scratched that off my list. So you don't have to come back for that. <laughs> no O.J. Um, <laughs> But I loved having you here. Thank you. I'd love to come back, man. And, yeah, uh, absolute blast. We're going to go. There's going to be like 60 of us working out, and I'd like to maybe be on your team. Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. <laughs> maybe <laughs> the four of us could be on your yeah, team. Let's five do of us, five of us. Team yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am jazzed up. Is the bike going to work? What are we doing? We don't need a bike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm over the bike. Yeah, yeah, too. I'm a good runner, too. Okay, are you happy? That was good. I feel I'm, I'm so stoked. Okay, good. I like, I, I'm having a blast, and I'm sad it's over. Me. Oh, good. That was cool. Thank you.